And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Everybody was safe. Had a good time. Man, was Vegas packed and was Vegas loaded. Everybody had something going on in Vegas here. As we are brought to you as we kick off this hour by Five Iron Golf. And my neighbor, Adam, I mean my neighbor, next, right next door to me, uh, was listening to the show. And he headed over to Area 15. He wanted to hear what I was talking about. Five Iron Golf. That's the newest sponsor of our show, the premier indoor golf facility that recently opened in Area 15. I put my name on this along with the GM, Kenny, who will make you feel right at home. They have eight TrackMan golf simulators. So I'm going later in the week. They got cameras in every bay. Shows your swing from three different angles. If you like to golf, I love to golf. When you go, you got to get better, or it's a waste of money, a waste of time, unless you're going to drink, and you can drink at a bar. And this place has an amazing bar, and you can have a great time, but you can get better. Full bar, shuffleboard, brand-new top-of-the-line clubs. So when you're hitting these golf balls, you have the best equipment. Unlike other places in town where you feel the club and you go, this is a joke. I can't hit a golf ball with this piece of garbage. This has club fitting, lessons, and they have golf leagues on Monday and Tuesday nights. The tech they use makes you feel like a PGA pro. And the beauty of Five Iron is that it's for everyone. It's a place for serious golfers or just a place to hang out and play any golf course in the world on their simulator. Get out of the heat and get indoors. Right now they're giving every one of our listeners one free hour on the simulator. That's a $65 value. Go down there, get a beer, check it out inside Area 15. Go on the simulator and hit golf balls for an hour. Tell them JT sent you. Call now, reserve your spot. That's Five Iron Golf in Area 15. I'm thrilled they are a part of the show. A lot of news today to get to. It's about the NBA Finals. That's where we are in the calendar. We're not in the Raider calendar now. Raiders are on vacation. Coaches and players are coming back from vacation, wrapping it up, and then they're going to get ready for training camp later in this month. If I had a bunch of Raider content for you today, I'd give it to you. But I said when I came over to Raider Nation Radio, I was doing sports talk dominated by the Raiders, and there's no domination by the Raiders today other than the fact that the Raiders are quiet, they're healthy, and everybody's cool. There's no drama. This will be my 23rd season with the team, and there's been some off-seasons that have been very dramatic. Who's coming? Who's leaving? Who's going to get fired? Ultimatum. What are we going to do? I love this team now. Every spot, roster spot has been filled. Every spot. Now, the question is, does everybody deserve their starting roster spot? How much competition will be available? I think there's going to be a ton of competition, especially in the defensive secondary. You know, Trevon Merrig, we know is going to start because he was drafted high to be a free safety, and it's been a weakness for the Raiders. Does Jonathan Abram get better this year and prove that he could be a star in this league because he hasn't been available? Damon Arnett, does he have to fight for a slot position? to be a cornerback, or can he start? I don't think you take the chance with Arnett, who was banged up and hurt for most of last year, when you have Casey Hayward, a two-time pro bowler, and Trayvon Mullen on the other corner. That's pretty good. 
If you would have told me, that's pretty good to have Casey Hayward, a two-time Pro Bowler from the Chargers, starting for the Raiders under Gus Bradley, and then Trayvon Mullen, the MVP in the national championship game for Clemson as a defensive back. What else you want? What else you want? Those are two capable players. One's a veteran, one's a young player, and then you got another guy trying to get his job back. And then the linebackers and Yannick Ngakwe up front with Mad Max. A lot happening with Mad Max, which is all good. And we'll get to the offense on the other side. I wanted to play this Rachel Nichols apology that we have here because Rachel Nichols is in the news. And it is a big-time story because of what she said about Maria Taylor, who is a colleague of hers over at ABC ESPN. Now, for this to happen, Rachel Nichols must have felt the heat, and she felt it really hot in the kitchen for what she said about diversity, ESPN, and the fact that Maria Taylor was coming for some of her space. So this was the big firestorm over the 4th of July, and here's her apology. So the first thing they teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. And I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt, particularly Maria Taylor, and how grateful I am to be part of this outstanding team. So that was her apology, and the breaking news today is she is not the sideline reporter for the NBA Finals. Is this the beginning of the end for Rachel Nichols at ESPN? I hope not. I think she's very good at what she does. And her TV show, The Jump, is one of the most popular shows on ESPN. Tom Looney, my 14-year partner on the radio, my podcast partner at Believe, and we slugged a brand-new podcast today about us gossiping about women in sports, Tom, something we normally don't do. How are you today? Good. How you doing? I, uh, I, 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 this was going through my head. I didn't say this on the podcast. I wish I did. This was going through my head as, as I was thinking about what Rachel Nichols said into an open microphone. Now, we have a colleague who once uh, recently was, uh, who was bitching uh, to me about how he didn't check a box. It's a, a, a white guy on the radio who's actually kind of boring. So he was saying he'd never fill in for joy on the herd because he doesn't check a box. In other words, he's not a minority. And I'm thinking to myself, he's a nice guy, but he's dreadfully boring. And that's why he wouldn't fill in. He's boring. So it's usually some people who uh, are worried about that someone else is going to get the pizza, you know, like uh, equal rights and equal access is uh, is someone else getting your piece of pizza. And no, when it comes to equal rights and equal access, et cetera, it's a big pie and everybody should get some. That's the point. Yeah, I think this is really interesting here because the only thing I think that Rachel Nichols is guilty of is being insecure. She's got a big right. job. She's got multiple jobs at ESPN. All of a sudden, here comes a woman in, you know, coming in into her space who's very qualified and possibly wants a bigger position, and Rachel Nichols picked up the phone and talked to someone. The problem is Rachel Nichols was talking to a LeBron James confidant, one of the conciliaries of LeBron James, and then it takes the story to a new level. Now people are saying outside the media, because ESPN's not going to report on this. You're not going to hear ESPN talent going anywhere near this Bob Wire fence, where other people are going to say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. If this is what she's saying to LeBron James's confidant, 
about someone she's competing against inside the workplace. Well, how are they treating LeBron James inside the workplace at ESPN if she could be so comfortable talking to one of LeBron's guys this way? Well, here's another thing, too, that you said, that the way some people look at it, including her, competing against other people. You know, it's a very unique position you have when you get to use words for a living and it's not really work and you never have to, and you get to wear play clothes your entire life. Uh, and that, and, and talk, you know, it's a toy department of broadcasting and talk about sports. No one's competing against it. Everyone should be excited when someone else gets a cool job. If you've got a cool job in broadcasting and somebody else gets a cool job in broadcasting, we're supposed to holler bravo, not worry that somebody is, uh, you don't like her hair, you don't like her makeup, or she's got a, she's getting some of your pizza. Just like I said, no, there's plenty of pizza for everybody. When somebody else gets a job that's just like yours, congratulate them. Don't whine. Tom Looney joins us. Our podcast just dropped at Believe. You can get it wherever you download your podcast. JT and Looney is the best way to find it. When I look at Maria Taylor, the sad part about Maria Taylor is she got dragged into this. All she wanted yeah, to do was do her job. All she wants to do is do her job because she does football, college football, and she does work with the NBA. And all of a sudden, because Rachel Nichols is talking about her and feeling insecure, now she's dragged into this. But reports are she's ghosting Rachel Nichols now. And you can't have that in a workplace, Tom. You can't cover the NBA finals and have the host of the jump and the anchor and the sideline reporter not talking to each other. You have to be able to communicate in the workplace if you're putting on a big TV show. Well, yeah, you have to be able to communicate in the communications business, but there's a great irony there somewhere. Isn't there? <laughs> but uh, it looks to me as though Rachel Nichols is out for the NBA finals. Did you cover that breaking news today? Rachel yes. Nichols out. Yes. And so... Yeah, you, 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 you can't have that, and you can't have the sideline reporters uh, becoming a bigger uh, news story than the, than the game itself. Because uh, as you know, that's the biggest scam. These sideline reporters are so lucky to have jobs, there's nothing really to talk about. We already saw it. And when they asked, like, hey, what were you thinking during that last shot? I wasn't thinking anything. I was playing basketball. I was thinking about taking a shot. <laughs> so as you know, JT, you've been you're you're one of those sideline reporters. It's it, it you know you got to work a little to come up with an interesting question on the sidelines, and you, half the time they're not interesting anyway. Yeah, Tom Looney's our guest, and you would know that working with me for 14 years and how, how seriously I took my sideline jobs, even yeah. when Marshawn Lynch would come after me and, and accost me on the sidelines and try to mock me. I kept my professionalism. But you know what's yeah. an, an, inter an interesting part of this story? And for those who are listening, Rachel Nichols, her television show, The Jump Today, was canceled just for today. So there's something, this is a big story. Okay, so ESPN has been embarrassed about their diversity hirings. So when a black man and a black man or a black man and a white guy are talking and they're being, you know, overheard and they're talking about race, it's one thing. But Tom and media, we're not used to a white woman talking about a black woman infringing on her space. Also, that being a private conversation that gets leaked. I find what's so fascinating about this story is... People are accusing Maria Taylor's side of leaking this story as she's going into a contract. 
They're leaking it before game one of the NBA Finals. Does this make the NBA Finals more interesting than the players playing in the game because everybody knows that the company that broadcasts this is trying to put out a forest fire? Well, I, I think it's fun for us. Yes, it does make it more interesting. It makes it far more interesting. And some would say that because it's Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, this, the, this matchup needs some Tabasco. So uh, you and I are fine with it, but the rest of the country might need an extra excuse to watch. And so I'm sure ESPN maybe secretly is happy about that, or at least some of them there. But you and I both have always agreed that that any publicity is good publicity philosophy isn't thing, anything I ever want uh, a piece of. I only, I only want good publicity for myself and for those I love. No bad publicity, please. Tom Looney, as we wrap it up, my podcast partner, you hear from Looney all the time, one of my best friends. We both got back from trips. I went to Cabo. He went to Elmira, Washington, D.C. So as we're gossiping about two girls, right, you and I are now gossiping about two women in the workplace on the podcast, uh, I was gossiping and upset about women who get in line at the airport to buy coffee. Were you fascinated by my fascination in that topic today? Well, it's, uh, I can see where it would – you had a plenty of time, as you know, because you have to stand in line a long time, at co- whether it's a coffee house on the corner where they're reading poetry or whether it's Starbucks at the airport. There's a lot of time spent waiting in line at coffee houses, something you and I don't like to do because we were sultans in another life. And so you had plenty of time to observe – uh, these women who really enjoy playing 1995 for their vanilla bean frappe <laughs> mochaccino. Yes, you know, I treat women differently than men. I, I talk, uh, I'm nicer yes. to women than men for yep. the obvious reasons. My grandmother's my mom, my sister. And uh, to bring everybody up to speed on this, as I was traveling in airports, I got to the Vegas airport here and... I got there at 4.30 in the morning for a 6 a.m. flight, and everything's closed at the airport at 4.30. They're just opening up. They're opening up the fencing, and they're opening up the stores and turning on the light. And then the Starbucks opened, and there was 83 people in line. I counted every single head. 83 people got in line at the McCarran to buy a Starbucks. My wife thought I was nuts as I was counting the people, most of them women. And when the women get to the front of the line, Tom— they order like they're buying a diamond ring or a brand-new Maserati. Whatever the most expensive <laughs> item is on the menu, they order it. They don't say, I'll have a pike roast with one cream. They don't say, I'll have a non-fat latte. What they do is they ask for the caramel mochaccino with the shot of chai, and they don't come up with it until they get in line, and then the line forms. And as I said, my new theory is this, is that a woman – at a Starbucks ordering. It's not a man thing. If we were doing a show on beards, I'd be talking about men's and their beards. I'm talking about women in line at Starbucks. They'll order the most expensive thing because money is no object. You're going to spend at least three bucks, and the most you can spend is seven, and they like the endorphins of buying the most expensive co- coffee. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's like you're standing behind Queen Elizabeth. and they. Right. <laughs> You got all the money in the world, and I'm going to order the most expensive thing. You know, you do. I, I love how you're up on your soapbox saying you treat women differently. Let's bring in your sister and see how she, <laughs> she feels about that. For when she grew up in the same house as you, rambunctious brother John. Uh, how, how do you think your sister would feel about that comment when she was 10 and you were 13? No, no comment. 
<laughs> no comment. I put it in my book. I, I cl- that was my therapy. My therapy was my book, The Handoff. Hey, thanks for podcasting with me today. And you had you had something really important in in the podcast, and I want people to download the podcast, JT and Looney. But you had a chance to say goodbye to one of your longest friends, and in life we usually don't get a chance to say goodbye. Tell us what that experience was like. Yes, my college roommate uh, has had cancer issues for years, and every time he'd go to chemotherapy and kill one tumor, another one would show up in a different part of his body. So he went home. To, uh, to die in his living room and watch horse racing on television the way he wanted to do it. And because he was fully aware, but he was also fully aware that he was losing the battle and losing the fight. And so I got to see him on two different days. I was there for a week on my first day and my last day of my vacation. I stopped over to his house and I felt as though it was a privilege to be able to, you know, so often when we have friends and relatives die, we don't know it's going to happen. You don't know the day and time it's going to happen. And sometimes with home hospice, you kind of do. And so I had the privilege of being able to say goodbye and see you on the other side and laugh and talk and get teary-eyed and have uh, a wonderful yeah. time with a friend that I was going to see for the last time. That is a beautiful thing, and I'm happy you were able to find that piece and be able to do that. It's so much deeper than me being in Cabo, all-inclusive, swimming up to the bar, ordering tequila, and not liking the local vodka and doing that. So your, your vacation was a little bit deeper than mine. Talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on Raider Nation Radio. All right, see ya. That's Tom Looney. Our podcast is up, and it's downloaded, and we're very proud of it. And we got some cool things happening with our podcast. Uh, we podcast once a week. We have him for two weeks because he was on vacation. I was on vacation, but it's up at JT and Looney. And the Rachel Nichols thing with Maria Taylor, if you'd like to comment on this, I think it's a really important topic in sports because it has to deal with being insecure. When you're young and you're early in your career, I was there, you want everything. I call my agent every day. How come I'm not getting that job? I want this job. I can do two shows. I'm doing eight hours a day in San Francisco. Yes, eight hours a day. I want a better job. And you're insecure. And then when you get later in your career, and there are other people coming up. You want to keep your seat. You want to keep your job because other people are trying to get your job, especially if you have good jobs. And that's what's happening with Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor is that Rachel Nichols is insecure, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is not a crime. She should not be defined for that. But when she took a shot at ESPN for their diversity, it led to people having the impression that Rachel Nichols, who was white, believes that Maria Taylor's getting more opportunities because she's a minority. And you can't talk like that over an open microphone or on the phone or someone taping you and something leaking you. It could define your career. And I think that Rachel Nichols has done a really good job throughout her career, but a lot of people are calling her out now, and she's really going to see who her friends are inside ESPN and inside the industry because this is a big storyline. Italy won, Spain nothing. Italy scores in the so we're in the 61st minute. Italy one nil over Espana. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, the winner faces England, Denmark in the final. Whoever wins tomorrow at Wembley between England and Denmark. Thanks to Tom Looney. We appreciate him coming on. Thanks to everybody who's listening. That was brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Why pay more? The Henderson Hyundai Superstore has the lowest prices in the valley. 
Search all their inventory at HendersonHyundai.com, and you can buy over your phone. They'll deliver your car to your home or your workplace. It's as easy as setting up your iPhone. The Henderson Hyundai Superstore is located at 460 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Go say hi to Frank, great friend of the show. And when we come back, Rob Dibble, as we get into baseball. My former colleague, he has a sports talk show in Hartford. Former World Series champ and NLCS MVP of 1990. On baseball, Otani, the sticky substance, everything happening to baseball as we're getting ready for the All-Star break. The JT The Brick Show, right here on your home for the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Swing and a high fly ball, deep left center. LaCastro back at the track, at the fence. It's gone. Tie game. Pete Alonso. And the Mets have tied it here in the seventh inning, 5-5. Five to five. Rob Dibble joins us. Rob, I hope you had a good 4th of July. How you doing? How's the family? JC had a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, my training facility, our five travel teams all played all weekend in my hometown, actually. Uh, went back to where I grew up in Connecticut, and uh, our 10U team won the championship, and they all played great in the red, white, and blue uniform, so it was a great weekend. Isn't that great? And I've known you for a while now. I know that you, you must tell the parents to act like parents beyond the fence. You have a level of excellence. You want the kids to have fun first, right? The kids are amazing, JT. It's the parents. It's, it's hard to swallow <laughs> It really is. I mean, at the 10U championship game, I mean, it almost came down to a fight. I mean, it's crazy that the parents just are are over the top passionate about it. But it's still, I mean, you know, I coached the 16-year-olds and the 13-year-olds, and it, it, it's awesome. The, the way they played and all the teams, there were 80 teams in the tournament this weekend. We had torrential rain for two days, so we had to squeeze in tons of games. One of my teams played till 9 o'clock last night, and they played brilliantly. So, um, all in all, I mean, that's just like a little smidgen are the parents, but the kids are amazing. You know, Rob, I say this. If, the, if I could get a do-over, anything in my life, my dad was my coach in Little League all the way up through high school, and he was in my hometown famous for being a, a Little League coach. So I grew up with the best, and then – you know, from us working together over the years, I couldn't coach. I could volunteer and do certain things, right. but I couldn't manage because working at night all the time in my schedule, but I was always involved, and I would always wanted to have that do-over because some of the best people I ever met and some of the worst were involved in youth baseball, and I wish that every parent understood when they take a step back later on in life that it was just so important to let their kids mold and grow and find their own way and just sit back and grab some sunflower seeds and a chair and sit in the outfield and enjoy those memories. You don't get them back. Oh, absolutely. And my dad as well. He coached me up through Babe Ruth until I was 15. Um, I'm so blessed. I have a couple of indie ball players that coach with me. I've got uh, one of the kids that played for Fairfield was on that uh, 39-3 and team. Uh, Justin Guerrera, he coaches with us. Uh, we've got a kid from Wesley and the coaches, and, they, and they're all amazing at, at how they, they understand the game. And they try to te- – they're, they're giving back to 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds. And 
Uh, I, 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 the game is in amazing hands is what I'm trying to say. So right. for me, I just like being around it. I mean, I, yeah, I'm trying to give back the 40 years of knowledge that I've gained through playing baseball, but it, it's really the younger generation that, that's going to win the day for not just the major leagues, but for this country and high school and college. These, these kids love baseball. They breathe baseball. My 10U team, they have no idea, Brick, that, that I ever played. You know where they see me? On the, on the show, on, on MLB The Show. That's how they know me. Yep. So it's just it's crazy uh, how, how generational baseball is. But, you know, the bottom line is it's universal. It's fun. It teaches kids great stuff. They may never play in the major leagues, but they're going to go on and do great stuff because of, of the sport and the family atmosphere. Rob Dibble joins us. Rob, uh, you cover the Yankees, and I know you have calls and interview people on what's happening here. I'm a diehard, diehard Yankee fan, and I'm just in shock of the lack of leadership. And you know Aaron Boone and what's going on with the connection to Cashman and with George Steinbrenner passing away a long time ago, and now one of his sons running it still with a daughter. When you look at the way the organization's being run, what do you see here? What is the where are the holes here? What's the void? Is it leadership? Is it just a bad roster that has been exposed? Oh, definitely exposed, and that's a key word. Uh, it, it was poorly built. They had too many guys from the right side that are that are swing and miss guys. They don't make a lot of contact. When they do, it goes a long way, you know. And that, it's awesome to see a guy hit a, a ball 450 feet. But the other three strikeouts, especially if you got runners in scoring position or trying to move runners along, it, it's not going to win you a lot of ball games. So as a team, they're hitting 235. They've scored the fewest runs in their division. I think they've scored almost the fewest runs in the American League, if not Major League Baseball. So, you know, they've got good pitching. They've got a good bullpen. But they're always in the bullpen by the sixth or seventh inning. So these guys are tired. I was listening to some guy today. Uh, squawking at one of the games about Raldis Chapman. I'm like, dude, guy's out there every day. He's out there every other day. Their, their whole bullpen, Chad Green, all these guys are out there every day because nobody can complete a game. Nobody can get 21 or 24 outs anymore. And this is the formula that it's not the Yankees brass that came in with. It's some analytics team that basically forced Joe Girardi out. Then they, then they sold this to, you know, uh, Hal Steinbrenner and, and Cashman, that this is the future of Major League Baseball. It's complete garbage. Half the Major League teams right now are hitting under 245, which is the lowest batting average in 100 years come last year. So this year, when most of the teams finish up under 240, which I call underwater and drowning as far as hitting the baseball, 300 on base percentage, I would have had a field day today, Brick. I would have loved pitching today with the way these guys swing and miss with two strikes. It's phenomenal. So they built a bad team based around some people that never played baseball in their lives. They came out of the Ivy League. They don't like hit and run. They don't like stolen bases. They don't like bunting. They don't like hitting behind the runner. So it's like, okay, you're not playing the game of baseball. Then you get a commissioner that wants seven-inning doubleheader games. He wants to start a runner on second base. It's just, it, it's worse than a video game. It's a joke. So, the, you know, the mentality right now is they think they know more than baseball players or people that have been around the game for 50 years. They forced out evaluators. They forced out scouts. And now 
the product that they're putting on the field, they don't know what to do with. So you know what they do? They blame the pitchers because these really, really smart pe- people think, oh, my God, nobody can hit anymore. Nobody, nobody can steal bases. Nobody can bunt. Nobody can do fundamentals anymore. So we got to blame these guys because they're all using something for a grip on a baseball that we bought the company five years ago and started, you know, shrinking the ball. And we started compressing the seams. And now, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going to blame somebody else. And that's this country in a, in a nutshell. Let's always blame somebody else. And so until we get back to just playing fundamentally sound baseball, Brick, you're, you're going to see a lot of bad baseball, and you're going to see a lot of people pointing fingers. Rob Dibble, so what did you get out of the sticky substance when you saw the pitcher stop doing it? You've been analyzing the numbers. It's easy to say, well, he had a couple of bad starts. Cole gets knocked out of a game because he doesn't have the sticky substance. What are you noticing as a former big-time pitcher and how long this is going to take effect and what us fans should understand about this? They should understand that there's farms and ranches around the country that, that want to teach I unquote, unquote, below, which is just, it's not pitching. It's happy Gilmore throwing a baseball. And for me, I was not a big walk guy. I was a big command guy. I always was able to locate, whether I was throwing 95, 98, 93, it didn't matter. I could, I could hit the strike zone because I knew exactly what I was aiming at, whether it was the catcher's fin guard or his mask or whatever. That's the way I was taught. These guys are just taught to, to rear back and heave it. That's not pitching. And it's the same thing with the hitters. They're swinging as hard as they can. It's like some kind of, you know, softball home run derby. Um, I remember in the minor leagues in the 90s, this, this team called Steels used to come into the minor leagues like in Louisville and hit 350-foot shots with a softball. Yeah, that's all fun to watch. But after a while, it, it's not actually softball. It's not actually doing anything other than, you know, playing home run derby. So, you know, when, when you look at this, the foreign substance guys, most of those guys were guys that needed a little bit more on their curveball or a little bit grip, more grip on their fastball. But here's the thing, Brick. I've done the Rap Soto thing. I, mm-hmm. I'm certified Rap Soto guy. Um, and all that is with the curveball is the power spin down. You let gravity pull it down. And, and the four-seam fastball, that's a good, good RPM going backwards. That's great, 2,500 RPMs. Here's the thing, two-seam. You want slower RPMs. Change-ups, which I teach these kids, you want slower RPMs. So a lot of your data points aren't actual facts. So these are people that throw out nonsense and things they have no idea what they're talking about. Once you get back to throwing strikes and locating pitches, it doesn't matter what your RPMs are. You could be Tom Browning or Jamie Moyer or Tommy John and throw 80 miles an hour. You get anybody out but you still got to throw a strike. But then you get these other guys that throw 102 miles an hour and can't throw anywhere near the strike zone, and that guy's not going to play in the big leagues for long. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's weeding out the guys that aren't actual pitchers, and then you see the guys that are. And all of those guys are going deep into games. All of those guys, they're not just getting strikeouts. They're getting ground ball double plays. They're getting fly balls when they need fly balls. They're, they're able to manipulate the strike zone to get guys to hit the contact that they want. That's baseball, and it's pretty simple stuff. But these people think that they reinvented it by coming up with gyro spin or some other kind of horizontal spin or all these other new terms that really aren't really new. 
They're just somebody's trying to reinvent the game. And to me, it's not it's not baseball. The guys that actually are playing baseball, their stats are fine. But you've still got three teams with a total ERA over five. You've got 15 teams with an ERA over four. And that was all before this foreign substance stuff. So we still have bad pitching. We still have really bad hitting. And it's just a product that is 10, 15 years of analytics people trying to reinvent the game to, to make it seem like they are smarter than the evaluators and the scouts. Rob Dibble, last one, Rob. It's been too long. If you were commissioner, what's the one thing you'd change? Go back to or get out of baseball now to make it better? Well, first of all, if I were the commissioner, that would mean Rob Manfred's no longer the commissioner. I'd be very <laughs> happy just about that. Um, go back to the nine-inning doubleheader games. Screw that guy on second base and then get rid of replay. It's kind of three things. It's just, you know, go back to baseball. Baseball's great. There's no clock. You can't speed up the game by five minutes. That's never going to happen. Um, and, and just let baseball be, you know. I mean, you know, another thing that really irritates me, these new uniforms that they're coming out with. You know what? The NBA, you can have those new uniforms. The NFL, you can have them. MLB doesn't need these BS new uniforms that you're throwing out. I just saw the San Francisco Giants. Listen, the thing I love about the Giants was that they have their beautiful colors and they've been around since they moved out to the West Coast. Don't mess with that stuff. People love tradition. So I, I would bring back the tradition of baseball. Just let it be the sport that it's always been, and people love it. Always great having you on, Rob. All the best. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. God bless. Take care. God bless you. There he is, Rob Dibble. Fantastic conversation from a nasty boy on how to pitch now, how to command it without the sticky substance, and a good look back at youth sports and how to coach these young kids. Man, that guy was a fired-up baseball player. When we come back, we're supposed to be joined by the TV voice of the Phoenix Suns. Before tip-off tonight, remember the local TV guys are off because it's national. The breaking news today, Rachel Nichols was just benched. Benched by ESPN. The sports channel today revealed it has benched Rachel Nichols from sideline coverage of the NBA Finals. What a story. We'll wrap it up coming up next with the Suns preview. I hate to say this. I think the best thing happened to the Milwaukee Bucks was Giannis getting hurt because they have unleashed Drew Holiday, the aggressive Drew Holiday. I think he's going to be fantastic in the finals against Chris Paul, as much as I love Chris Paul. If Giannis is 85 to 90%, I'm going to go with Milwaukee. So am I. I'm going with Milwaukee in seven. If Giannis was 100%, I'd go. But I can see he's not at 100%, so the favorite now becomes Phoenix. JT, back with you. Spain scored 1-1 with Italy in the 83rd minute. What a goal from Spain. What an amazing soccer match. And I'll try to give you a score before we get out of here. We're thrilled to be joined by Kevin Ray, who's the television voice of the Phoenix Suns on Bally's. Kevin, thanks for doing this. And you got to be having a lot of fun and a blast as we preview game one. How are you? I'm doing very well. And, yeah, everybody's having some fun in the Valley for the first time in quite a while. It's great to see how the team came together.
and you've been doing this a while. Give me the key points of how this roster was put together and what's impressed you the most. Yeah, you know, it, it all starts with the the leadership. Um, you start with Robert Sarver, Sarver as he appointed James Jones, making the decision to, to give James the reins as the general manager. And really from that point on, uh, then James making the decision to hire Monty Williams. And once those two got together, the, the blueprint really began to uh, began to unfold. And it was very evident early on that the James and Monty had a certain type of person and player that they wanted to be a part of the system. And, and you've heard them talk about, you know, the, the culture that they have tried to create the foundation that they've tried to lay. And you look at the individuals on this roster and you can see each one of them, you know, has a lot of similarities um, through a variety of attributes. And I think because of that, you know, you're seeing the dividends, you know, play out on the floor. It's incredible to see where the payroll and how they were smart with certain players in free agency. But I want to start with Aiton. I just love – I come from the Patrick Ewing era with the Knicks. And before that, I love when you put a guy like Robert Parrish or Ewing or great centers who proved themselves on the low block when you need a bucket and say we have to get a basket and we're not going to rely on a three. We're not going to kick it to the corner for a corner three. We're going to get it to our big guy in a mismatch. When does that happen now? When, what was the evolution like that with Phoenix, who has so many weapons on the outside, but Aiton can get them easy buckets throughout the course of a game? Yeah, and look, again, this is a real you know, testament to, to James, Monty, the scouting staff. Um, and look, as, as someone who gets to call the games every night, it's so refreshing. I mean, yes, we, we've all seen the proliferation of the three ball over the last, you know, eight to ten years and you know Monty and James certainly subscribe to the three-point shot but they will not allow themselves to completely focus and center their offense around the three-point shot and then having drafted you know DA with the number one overall pick a few years ago they saw what he's he was capable of doing they saw what type of athleticism he had I knew he was still incredibly raw and you know because of their patience and then the addition of a Chris Paul, a Jay Crowder, and then midseason with Torrey Craig, uh, those three, but in particular Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder, have been instrumental in the growth of DeAndre Ayton. So you, you, you throw that in along with two of the best mid-range scorers in the league in Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and it's, you know, it's why the Suns, um, you know, they, they were a, a top-10 three-point shooting team but it's not a team that was going to jack up 40 to 45 three-point shots a night. They were trying to be as efficient with it as they could because they had that big man in the middle. Kevin Reyes, our guest, the TV voice of the Suns, as we get you ready for game one. Kevin, this is big to me because mentorship's important in all of our lives, and what Chris Paul's doing with Devin Booker, you usually just don't have that. You have Devin Booker without a mentor, and he gets the keys to the franchise, and there's no one like Chris Paul around. And when you have something like this, and you see the relationship, how much Chris Paul wants to help this young player. And on top of that, the late Kobe Bryant saw a lot in Devin Booker, and Devin Booker was humble enough and young enough and mature enough to understand that Kobe took notice in him. Tell me what it's like to cover him on a nightly basis and get to know him. 
Yeah, it, it's been such a pleasure um, for a variety of reasons. You know, Book came in as an as an 18 year old, you know, fresh face fresh face kid, and unfortunately, he was you know thrust into at that time a team that was really you know disorganized and a lot of chaos around Book. And and I want to throw out a little quick love to a guy that that Book and the rest of the Suns are going to be facing, and that's P.J. Tucker, who played in the mm-hmm. Suns uniform for four years. And PJ was instrumental in really kind of setting the tone for book of what it, what it was going to take to compete night in and night out in the NBA and, and book and PJ uh, have been, you know, great friends since, uh, but PJ was hard on, on Devin as a rookie because PJ knew the kind of talent that Devin possessed, uh, but PJ wasn't going to make it easy on him. And also Devin's book, uh, Devin's father, Melvin, Really, you know, back in Devin's early years, because of Melvin's professional basketball career, great collegiate player as well, really began, you know, sharing the the knowledge with Book of what it took to compete in the NBA. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of guys who have competed against Book and have been around him, you know, said he he's an old soul for a 24-year-old. And that's exactly what we've uh, been delighted to see, you know, over these last five-plus years. I'm also fascinated on what's going to happen with the status of Giannis going on in the series. The fact that he's been going to the games in the last series and the closeouts and he's there on the sidelines being in Phoenix. Let's just forget about game one and talk about later on in the series. What do you think Monty's going to do with the game plan here that you have Aiton to protect the paint and you want Giannis to get outside and shoot threes. You want Giannis to play on the perimeter, but do you see a point where Maybe Giannis is going to try to get Aiton in foul trouble, or Aiton could use his ability to get Giannis in foul trouble. How nasty and physical could it get in the paint in this series? Yeah, it, it will be. It'll be very interesting to see. I mean, because you know, look, you you've watched the playoffs. You look at this Milwaukee team, and there's there's talent on this roster beyond Giannis. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, yes, Giannis, you know, MVP and all. But without Chris Middleton, they don't get past Brooklyn. Uh, without Chris Middleton, this series, you know, might be a seven-game series with, mm-hmm. with Atlanta. They just wrapped up. Uh, so they've got some other pieces as well. But that being said, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of Milwaukee team uh, we, we get to see when Giannis is on the floor because they have had a tendency to – get away from some of the things that, that have worked from them, uh, even from game to game in the postseason. Uh, they, they will oftentimes fall in love with the three-point shot. And if that's the case, you know, that certainly plays into the, into the Suns' hands. Now, they're capable of knocking down the three. But to me, I, I think that the L.A. Clippers series has really prepared the Suns, at least in terms of the physicality uh, that could be coming their way just because of how much the, the officials allowed the Clippers to be physical with the Suns. So I, I think it will, will really pay big dividends for them here against Milwaukee. Finally, I wanted to ask you about Crowder and his ability because I wasn't a fan of his game. I didn't like when he started to shoot threes. And he's big, but he's not super tall to be that physical and aggressive. And he's different than Beverly, who Beverly could just be a pit bull to try to you know, get someone, get in someone's head and disrupt the play and disrupt the series. 
I look at Crowder. What is he like on a night-in and night-out basis? What impressed you the most about him coming over to Phoenix and how he's paid dividends for this franchise? Yeah, look, I mean, it, 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 to me, it was it was an under-the-radar signing just based yes. on you know the potential big free agency splash. And, of course, he signed a Chris Paul, and that's going to grab all the headlines. But But I was really excited with the signing of Jay Crowder because you look everywhere this guy has been, his teams have won. You know, he gets to the finals last year with Miami, and he's just kind of another alpha male in that locker room. And the thing that's great about Jay is, like Chris, he brings a lot of experience, big playoff games that he can share with his teammates. Uh, But this dude just has amnesia because, you know, he's a streaky three-point shooter, we saw the playoffs begin. He had a hot hand, or pardon me, he, he started out cold against the L.A. series, first five games. Then he was red hot for five games. Then he goes ice cold again for five games. And then in the closeout game against the Clippers, back to being red hot. And it's just his ability, like a like a cornerback or a quarterback, uh, you know, ne- never worries about the last shot, whether it went in or whether it went out. Um and just kind of that mindset has really been a huge positive for a team coming into the playoffs that didn't have much playoff experience at all, aside from those two guys. Lastly, what is the crowd going to make a difference in this series? Where where are we at, you know, from the beginning of protocol to now? This is a rabid fan base, urban sprawl. My son will be a freshman at ASU. I'm going to be spending a lot of time out there in the future. And this fan base seems to be back again and very inspired. How would you describe this fan base from the historic Sun fans going back to Thunder Dan and even before that to the young fans that are in now and are all into this team and love what they're saying? Yeah, and I do think you hit it right on the head. It is a younger fan base. Um, the players have noticed it. I mean, I was around uh, for, for Thunder Dan and Charles and KJ and then with Steve and Amari, but this is a different fan base. It's a younger fan base, and my goodness, I mean, you listen to all the national people who have been to the games, and they will tell you, you're looking for a home court advantage, it is squarely in Phoenix, and I think that's going to go a long way in paying some dividends for the Suns in this series. Thanks so much for joining us. A great ride for you. Uh, thanks for making time to preview this game. Good luck to you and your family and the opportunity to get a ring and be a part of a great moment in the history of Phoenix sports history. Really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. And, yeah, when you're, when you're out there visiting your son, make sure you give us a ring and stop into the arena. I will, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for offering. Yeah, my son's going to be a freshman at Arizona State, so I will be out there and I will catch a game if it's on a weekend and i'm off of raider nation radio thanks to Modelo, the official cerveza of the las vegas raiders brewed as a model of what good beer should be you know i reward good radio shows great guests with a bucket of Modelo. at the end of the week i gotta get my Modelos. gotta get some new Modelos over to the pool got garth brooks on saturday night wife's all fired up for that Garth Brooks at Allegiant Stadium. I'm ready for that. I'll go along with anything. Get me out of the house. What else are you going to do? Have a great day, everybody. Have a good day, you guys.